Hey folks, I'm Tom. And I'm Vince. Welcome to Friday Night Beers, a show where two guys who know too much about pop culture and not enough about beer try some beers and explain them in a way that you may understand. But that you probably won't, and it'll only make sense to us. Either way, we hope you'll be entertained. Vince, it's the holidays. We're here. Ho, ho, ho! You We've exci- arrived. You excited? I'm very excited. You know, people have always told me that I have a good sense of humor. Oh, and really? And I'm sure you've been hearing that a lot as well. A little bit, yeah. Do you ever hear that you have a beguiling sense of humor? No, I'm very straightforward with my <laughs> jokes. You know when I'm, when I'm joking. <laughs> Well, I haven't either, but we're going to get into a little beguiling spirit today with Beguile Christmas Ale. Bang, bang. Brewed and canned in Chicago, Illinois. This one is up in the Ravenswood Corridor. Your if favorite I'm not mistaken. area. <laughs> I've warmed to it. I may be moving back there at some point. <laughs> I know you weren't a fan initially, but well, things have changed. I was young. I was young and confused. <laughs> And plus, you're a little softer on the holidays, let's face it. That's true, that's true. Yeah, let me tell the people a little bit about this Christmas ale. So, today we're drinking a spiced and herbed beer. You're going to tell us a little bit more about what that means. Also, we have reviewed Christmas beers before on the show around this time. Holiday-themed beers, because last year was Noel, but yep. that was that was a sour. Right, that was Jolly Pumpkin. Yeah. And then before that, Fistmas in well, season that was, one. That was right on the nose. Very yeah. much, yeah. <laughs> so we're continuing that tradition, but Beguile describes this one as a spiced beer leaving bay leaves and cinnamon. With spices that are rounded out by a blend of European-style malts and American-style yeast. Best served alongside family and friends. This beer reminds us that it is a wonderful life. Wow, I can't believe you got to eat your family and friends when you drink this beer. <laughs> I know. Do you, do you preheat the oven to 500 or 450? <laughs> it might take a little more to burn skin. Oh, Jesus. So... As you mentioned, Beguile is in uh, the industrial corridor of Ravenswood, also known as Malt Row. Quite a few places there. And they've built this community of beer beer lovers over many years, founded by a man named Kevin Carey, who is from Fenton, Michigan. Fenton... What is it? Fenton Cattle and Horse Ranch. Why are you where asking me? the horses me? are hung like you. Oh, that. <laughs> is it Fenton? I think it's Cattle called something else, actually. And Horse Ranch. Yeah, where the horses have small dicks. Where the horses are hung like you. <laughs> oh, man. Great sketch. Um, yeah. But Kevin Carey was inspired by Bells, who isn't. And he started making beer. This is a very similar story out of, you know, his house. They originally were calling themselves Argyle Brewing because uh, him and his girlfriend loved Argyle socks. But as it turns out, there's a winery in Oregon that also already has that name. Yeah. So they had to pivot and they were kind of looking around online and in short someone said if you can't argyle beguile beguile means to trick charm in enchant or deceive they are using the shakespearean spelling by the way which is why you're seeing it that way instead of the traditional uh b-e-g-u-i-l-e okay and that's how it became Beguile Brewing. Yeah, so if I'm not mistaken, too, I think the 
partner in Beguile has some serious connections to Argyle as well, from Argyle, Wisconsin. And then yes. also, uh, I think on Argyle, lived on Argyle Avenue or Street in Chicago. So big stuff there. This is kind of a heavy guy. Yeah, 7.3%. I think we should just crack it open and see how it yeah, tastes. Yeah, why not? What do you think, Vince? Uh, let's let's do it for the crack clock. For the crack clock. Cheers. Cheers, Tom. Okay. It certainly smells like a Christmas ale. The cinnamon is going to be an interesting twist here. All right. Yeah. Not so bad. It's very bready. Yeah, it's thick. It's thick, which, you know, I wouldn't really expect, but I mean, what what should you expect in a Christmas beer? <laughs> it's hard to describe, honestly. What? They've been around for a while here. I'm going to dive right in. Yeah. You go all the way back to pre-Christian Scandinavia. Vikings made what's called Yule to commemorate Norse gods, celebrate the winter solstice, pagan shit. Early on, those beers used dark malts that were from that region, and they really had more of a blacker, maltier beer that resulted from that. Um, We can see those influences a little bit in American takes on this, but over time, essentially, it became whatever you want it to be. In America, craft brewers really rose up and they started getting really inspired by different spices, treats, ingredients that are all customary of this holiday time. So (laughs) you end up with something that isn't necessarily true to the old Christmas ale spirit, but just kind of has some sort of holiday spin on it. And that's where you get like a gingerbread ale or uh, like some of these milk and cookies stouts, right? There's a little creativity there. And those are technically holiday beers. The Beer Judge Certification Program, though, lays out guidelines as such. It's a stronger, darker spice beer that often has a rich body and a warming finish, suggesting a good accompaniment for the cold winter season. And I think this fits right in there. Yeah, I think based on the the definition I just learned, this checks all the boxes for that. What I'm not totally sure about is if I'm loving it, if that's fair. It reminds me a little of an amber, some of the ambers we've had. Not the stronger entries into the amber category, but yeah, it, it does. It's very bready. It sits on the tongue. It feels very much to me like uh, have you ever microwaved a marshmallow? Uh, it's been a while, but yeah. Yeah. Well, for those of you who, I guess, had parents, I was apparently feral <laughs> and only did it over campfires. <laughs> just kidding, mom and dad. You put in the microwave and within five seconds, this thing starts to like just expand like crazy before exploding. And we used to watch that and wait for it to explode right before it explode and turn it off. Watch it go back down. That's happening in my mouth with every sip of this. I think that for me, it is, uh, it's uh, not very crushable, but it's, it's enjoyable enough. Uh, it's a slow burn. Yeah. That's how I would describe it. And I think like what we've sort of uncovered in not only just your history of 
Christmas beers, but in doing a couple of these now over the last three seasons, it seems like this is a very sentimental category of beer, just like Christmas is a sentimental holiday, right? Yeah. And personally, my tolerance for sentimentality in pop culture wanes and waxes wildly. Well, it depends on if it's something that you were actually engaged in or you yeah. cared about, right? Right. Like, I'll give you a, a modern example of this. You know, they've made some of these awful Ghostbusters sequels in the last few years. I'm not talking about the all-female one. Like the no, one, no, um, no. I know exactly what you're talking the about. The one with Paul Rudd. And there, there's another one now that they're doing, which looks like shit. But... What I find so unintentionally funny about these movies is that they treat the legacy of the first Ghostbusters with this incredibly serious, like, deferential tone. And the first Ghostbusters movie was just, like, a bunch of, you know, young guys fucking around, cracking jokes. It it was was not... It was comedy. It was Second City guys. It wasn't supposed to be, like, taken seriously at all. But what's happened over the last 40 years is there's this generation of people that grew up with that and they have this nostalgia for Ghostbusters. And now the people that make the new Ghostbusters are like, here it is. The moment you've been waiting for. The car pulls around the corner. It's Ghostbusters. And it's just, it's kind of fucking strange when you think about it. Just to take something that was playful and make it so serious. Well, that's what we've done with superhero movies. We won't dive into that because Lord knows we've beaten that to death. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I'm being specific where like something that's from your childhood that was supposed to be a fun, silly goof around thing. But now it's like we have to put it on this pedestal of respect Oh. That is just makes no sense. I have a great one for this. And yeah. it goes back farther than me. Because in my childhood, this was the way things worked. And my yeah. dad was appalled. Baseball cards. Oh, yeah. Do you know what my dad used to like? So I knew about baseball cards. And I what I didn't know is that I grew up in what's known as the junk wax era. Where they just produced 10 million of every card. So nothing was worth anything. But... I understood the concept of, okay, I'm going to collect these guys. Rookies are worth more. And I always thought that I was collecting and somehow this was going to be worth a lot of money. Turns out it's not. Doesn't matter. My dad saw this, didn't understand it, was like, are you kidding me? We used to put these in the spokes of our bicycles just to hear it go. Like we used to play this. They played this game where they threw them to see who could get it farther. And I'm like, the corners. And he's like, that's not what this is about. There's this reverence to something that has no inherent value, but has been assigned tremendous value now. And at the end of the day, what was it? What was it made for? It was made for people who were buying cigarettes and gum. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, what things do we find stupid and irreverent now that in, you know, 30 years, our our kids and our generation of kids are going to take deadly seriously, like, the Kia Soul hamsters? Like, is there going to be, like... <laughs> they're going to start a religion. <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, my God, these were the most important pop culture figures <laughs> of our lifetime. Like, I, I think that we're doing... Because we're recycling all this stuff from the past, we're doing a really bad job of creating original shit that's going to be revered, potentially, down the road. Do you think that the cycle has shortened so much from original creation to adaptation that 
they're there will never get that back. I think that's a possibility. You know, I think there will always be things that break through the, you know, the mold and the the clutter, so to speak. You know, I'm thinking about something like Dune. Dune was kind of a big deal, but Dune's based on a book that's been around for decades. But people tried multiple times to do Dune. Right. And we're only now at the point where you can actually like a lot of those fantasy yeah. ones. I think Lord of the Rings is another one too. You they you had to have the technology in order to make it real. Yeah, those were th- that was a bad example because that that's based on a beloved series of books. But like, I'm trying to think of just purely new original stuff that really made a dent. Like, dude, it's impossible. Get Out's the the first thing that comes to mind. Yes, I, outside of that, like I used to think about. I thought about this, and I back when I was you know, thinking about different spec scripts that you could write. One of the ideas I had for a South Park episode was literally Stan in like Stan or Kyle in tatters because every movie that he saw was based on a book or based on a short story or based on an article and he couldn't escape it. And he said, this is the death of originality. There is nothing new to make. And he has one of his existential crises over it. There's a secondary portion where... Um, Cartman convinces everybody to eat shit, but that that was a huge thought that I had because I kept seeing the same thing. I'm like, whoa, this was and an how long awesome ago was movie. this? This was ten years ago. Yeah, and here we are now. It's even worse. It is, and I, I looked. I can't remember what it was, but recently I saw a movie and I said, finally, we've got like we've got an original <laughs> one, and it was based off of some obscure short story. We've got Fall of the House of Usher, which was an excellent series, by the way. It's based off of a short story. Now, I think what we don't give credit for is Fall of the House of Usher is a completely new take that does not follow the actual short story. It does to a point, but outside of that, there's a lot of creative liberties. I I like that. I did just think of something, but let's take this original... Let's take it in the glass. Let's take this original thought into the glass. Okay. Uh, the thing I'm thinking of, Vince, is Severance, which we've talked yes. about on the show. Yes. And for as much as I love Severance, uh, I feel like it, it was sort of a short-lived run within pop culture. Like, I don't think that there's going to be a massive run of Severance stands like 15 years from now. Right. Talking about how great that show was, which is a shame because it really is a fucking great show. Well, are they coming out with season two? Yes, they are. Got delayed by the writer's strike, so yeah. who knows when. But yes, they there will be a second season. And I guess that's the perfect analog for this beer in that it it panders a little bit with the name. And yeah, it's good. But there's nothing new about what I'm tasting here. I'm actually enjoying it a little more out of the glass, to be honest. Oh, really? I'm finding that the flavors are more pronounced. Yeah. So that's good. I would recommend if you have this, try it out of the glass. But yeah, it, it just like, I keep coming back to the whole sentimentality thing because like last year I was going to review that movie Spirited for the show. Yeah. And I hated it so much that I was like, I'm not going to waste my time reviewing something I hated for 30 minutes. <laughs> um, and while doing that, I realized that I don't really have a lot of love for that category of movies, like sentimental family Christmas films. There's a couple. Dude, I'm such a sucker for them. I love Elf. I love The Grinch. 
I ended up doing Alpha on the show. Like, there's a few that have cracked through, but like the Hallmark Channel style garbage. Whoa, no whoa, way. whoa, whoa. Okay. Yeah. We can't. Hallmark Channel style is its own. It's its own category. It's its own beast. You cannot call those sentimental. Those are. Yeah. That's literally like they fed a robot hundreds of <laughs> sappy love stories. That's where all the AI scripts movie. are going to yeah, be. Exactly. Yeah. It's brutal. However, some of these Netflix movies, I'll say, I'll just, I'll say this. I saw one with the same main two people, right? I saw this first one, The Holiday. It's a cute romantic comedy around the holiday. Basically, Emma Roberts and some Australian dude who is basically a pro at a golf simulator are tired of being asked when they're going to bring someone serious home. So they agree that they'll be each other's dates. To Let's pretend. Stuff. Yeah. Exactly. And then, of course, it works out. Yeah. They come back for another one that actually has an interesting potential plot. So they're a couple who's on the rocks, right? They just went to a wedding and they're deciding whether they're going to be together. Meanwhile, their parents are having an affair with each other. Plot twist. And they haven't met. And so they're all going to meet at dinner. It's a real guess who's coming to dinner thing, right? Does that not have a little bit of promise to it from a premise? Perspective. I, I mean, like, it sounds more intriguing than I normally would be. Dude, yeah. the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was so unbelievably bad. And you talk about having an yeah. incredible premise and just blowing it. They did it. I'm not saying that's what's happening with this Christmas ale at all. Yeah. But I think that's what's happening with sentimentality and the Christmas spirit. It's an incredible premise that we're blowing because we're greedy as fuck. Yeah, I, I think to build off that, like, probably my favorite rom-com of the last 15 years is Crazy Stupid Love. I thought that was pretty Fantastic. good. Fantastic. I'm trying to think of something that's, like, below that, but also in that category, because that's kind of where I'm at with Beguile Christmas Ale. Like, I don't think that this is as good as Crazy Stupid Love was for me. Right. But, you know, every once in a while, like, you watch a movie that you're like, this movie's probably a double, but I'm okay with the double. It gets you on base. Yeah. Not everything has to be a home run, which is another problem with consuming culture today, where for a lot of people, everything has to either be the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. There's not a lot of middle ground. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll tell you what, this is better out of the glass, and it does taste oddly like Christmas. Yeah, I agree. I think like... You know, going back to the slow burn comment, this should be enjoyed over like a nice roasting fire. But this is 7.2%. This is a heavy guy and it should not be absolutely bombarded every single day immediately after Halloween starts. <laughs> no, no. Much like not. the Christmas holiday. There are people who aren't even waiting until Thanksgiving to put up their decorations. No. There's a reason this is seasonal. You would yeah. not have a bunch of spiced beers in the middle of August. 85 degrees. <laughs> You're in Florida just pouring sweat. If I see, you know, if you pull up to a tailgate and people are crushing beguiled Christmas sales, I'm going to have a lot of questions about that. Yeah. 
So that is that much is very clear. I'm trying to think of any other things that this is sparking in my in my head. You got anything for me? No, I think what it's sparking for me across the board is fatigue, right? Holiday fatigue, not with the actual sentiments of the holiday, not with, you know, being with your family, having the time off. I love Christmas. I love the time I spend with my family. I love all of that. But that's in a one week period, more or less, maybe two if you want to stretch it. And the fact that we're stretching everything commercially earlier and earlier and earlier is grinding on me, much the way that 7.2% will eventually grind on you. Can I have more than one of these? Yes. Will I have four of them? No. And for that reason, 3.25 out of five Vince's. You read my mind, Vince. I am also going to give this a 3.25 out of five. I think that this kind of sums up Christmas content for me. Yeah. In the sense that there's a time and place for it. And every once in a while, I'm in the right mood and I can enjoy it. It's not something I'm thinking about year round. I certainly wouldn't want to. And much like my tolerance for overly sentimental things... I have a a palette that is limited for it. And in this case, it's a good time, but I'm probably going to leave it in the Christmas season. Yep, I'll have another one. I'll probably have maybe two more over the course of the rest of the year. And that's how you should do it, in moderation. Yep. But I hope you guys have a fantastic holiday. As a matter of fact, we're going to be wrapping up Season 3 next week. Stay tuned for that. We're super excited, Vince. Yeah, we're going to have some guys in the studio, some guys and gals. We're going to have a lot of people there for that. It's going to be a, a literal pop party. So Yeah, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. And uh, don't worry, producer Bo will be in tow. I can't wait to see his reaction to all those people in his, in his house. And uh, I hope you guys subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on social media, too. But until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Vince. This has been Friday Night Beers, where we have clear eyes, full cans, must booze. Merry Christmas.